0: Welcome, everybody. I'm Kyle Hines, and I'll be hosting the Players Podcast, a GTM family production in partnership with the EuroLeague Players Association. I will be having in-depth conversations with current and former EuroLeague players about important topics that many athletes face on and off the basketball court. Stay tuned for more episodes. Today, we have a real special guest, um, my teammate, one of my guys. I want to tell you, uh, I appreciate you taking the time. Um, Olympio Milano's own Jeff Brooks. Jeff, what's going on, man? How's everything?
1: Everything is good, man. Thanks for having me. You know, um, this opportunity just to, you know, speak my mind a little bit about the way of the world, you know, in 2020 as we're about to end this year. So, uh, really appreciate the opportunity, bro.
0: Damn, man. Before we get into 2020 and the, <laughs> in the year that it's been, let's kind of, you know, I want to, I got to, you know, pay homage to you. Um, You know, got to touch on your resume a little bit um, for the people that don't know you, even though everybody should know you. Um, You know, you're originally from Louisville, Kentucky, um, Mm -hmm. 10-year pro, um, one year in Spain, one year in Russia, the last eight, um, you've been eight years in Italy. Um, Mm -hmm. You're a a four-time Super Cup Italian winner, um, a Euro Cup champion, Italian Cup champion, Italian League champion, and a member Mm Of the Italian national team, so big ups to you, bro!
1: Thank you, man. Um, it's just all it's been, man. It's hard work, you know. Just uh, playing the game that I've, I fell in love with at a very young age, and you know, what I'm saying just trying to take the next step in my career every year that I've had the opportunity to. So. Um, it's just like you said, man. Ten years. It's just it's crazy how fast it goes. Kyle. Goes, goes like, by you know, like I know this, you man. Know as well. Yeah. Like you know, I just remember yesterday on my first flight to Italy. You know, coming to Yeezy, um, Yeezy Italy for my first opportunity, my first stint in the second league, and now I've been here with Milan for the last three years, man. It's just. It's crazy. It just goes by like a whirlwind, you know?
0: Now you vet. So you gotta bet. enjoy the
1: moment. Exactly. <laughs> you know, like, wow, Jeff's an OG bet. I'm a vet now. Like, it's crazy hearing it. Like, you know, I like Momo, David Moretti be coming yes. up to me, like we be talking or asking advice. I'm like, damn, one of the players coming up with me, asking me for advice. Like I'm in that 30 plus club and where'd the time go?
0: Goes, goes by know? fast, man. Now, now one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on a podcast um, is that you know? I, I caught when I mean me and you we've had you know private conversations, but I caught when of the of what you've been doing on Instagram. Um, you know you've been having conversations with your friends and and, and uh, other people that you know um, specifically about the topic we're talking talking about today, um, and that's you know race, inequality, injustices that we've been facing, and which has been a big topic you know amongst the the a lot of the things that have been going on in 2020. So first of all, I, I just want to ask you, you know, um, you know, know what made you want to start having these conversations? Like I said, we've I mean, been having them privately, but what made you want to publicly start having these conversations and, and, and post them and putting them on Instagram?
1: Well, honestly, Cal, I think one of the main reasons is because we're here in Europe. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And like, um, I'm not, of course, I'm not like the biggest name on Instagram or the biggest athlete over here, but I do have a following of people here in Italy. And a lot of times you talk about things dealing with racism, social injustice, these situations, I really feel like they don't understand or like they don't empathize because they don't know what's going on. They It's something they can't fathom. Right. So actually having conversations with people who have grown and lived their whole lives a certain way being, you know, labeled as black African or, you know, as I like to say, African-American, you know, you kind of put it on display for people like this is a real issue. These things really do happen. So you know the uh, the three of the guys that I talked to, um, Tony Easley, Carlton Scott, Ronald Moore. I, I played ball with them in Cazerta, but also I know they played in you know Italy for uh, quite some time of their careers. And they're talking to Joy Davis as an African American woman who's an athlete, just getting it the perspective from the woman, the African American woman. I'm gonna talk to many people, you know, other than just African Americans too. But it's just a way of shining that light on like this really does happen. This mm-hmm. is a real issue. It's not only just in America, it happens everywhere. It's just that maybe you don't see it the way that we do or you don't see it because you don't want to believe it's there, but it's going on right in front of your face, excuse me, in front of your face. So letting people into those conversations, man, I just really feel like it gives people a better understanding of where we are today in the world and where we should be moving instead of moving backwards, we should be moving forward dealing with this situation I don't think we are mm-hmm. so having these conversations I feel like continuously if it just helps one person understand what someone else is going through they can empathize then that's all I need you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying because that one person can lead to two two can lead to three their own and uh so forth so yeah man I just thought it was a good idea also um my wife was talking to me She was like you know you should maybe talk to some people and let people in and like let them hear about your experiences let them see the pain in some people's stories, and then we'll see where, you know, how people uh, take it. Nothing's been going well. You know, I've only done it four times, but uh, I want to continue to do it, like I said earlier.
0: I think for me, like, and I've taken part in in, and watched uh, all the conversations. For me, the the dopest part about it, Excuse me. The the dopest part about it for me is that seeing people's comments while you're on live, yes, and you know yes, it's almost you're like you're point. bridging like two gaps. Like you you have mm-hmm. your followers from Italy and from Europe, but then you have somebody from your hometown in Louisville, Kentucky, yep. and they're that's having it. you're having a conversation. They're literally having in depth, you know, conversation back and forth about you know different well, things that's you're the talking best about. Part
1: about it, very true because you get other people's perspectives, and they can also lead people that, like I said earlier, don't really understand or really know what's going on. And then it's like, oh, okay, I'm hearing it from so-and-so. And and this guy's standing in the comments and I'm seeing it in the media. This is a real thing. You know what I'm saying? I just really feel like here in Europe, I'm telling you, Kyle, I feel like they don't think stuff like that happens in America. You know what I'm saying? And George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, but we have many, many other stories, but those set the world on fire to where everybody was like, boom okay this is something that is really going on and once again that's a credit to social media i don't really like social media but that definitely is a credit to them being able to share stuff like that so everybody around the world in a second can see something like that and realize there is a real problem
0: now what kind of feedback have you been getting from your videos have you been getting messages from other players from you know um your followers like you know what what have you, you know, what have you been getting, getting back from people? I,
1: uh, I actually have gotten, I would say, at least ten guys that I know told me they wanted to participate. You know, what I'm saying, low. but I didn't want to just do them like day after day. I wanted to kind of space it out, so you know, like let some more time marinate, and then people want to come back. Like, oh, uh, they're having another conversation. You know, I feel mm-hmm. like if you do it every single day, people get tired of it. Yeah, you know missed the
0: point, you missed the message.
1: Exactly. You know what I'm saying? And um I, I really feel like, you know, trying to keep it spaced out as far as time, you know, and give guys uh more time. Cause I know a lot of these guys are also going through their season, so they're busy just like me and you. You know what I'm saying? So um, I'm definitely gonna have more conversations with, with some other players around the uh the Euro league as well as Europe, but um even some normal, like I wanna talk to some normal people as well, you know, just everyday people to give them uh, an opportunity to share their stories, their their experiences, and also their perspectives. I don't want it to just be, you know, like everything is about African-Americans. I mm-hmm. want to talk to Caucasians, you know, Italians, Spanish. people. I want to talk to so many people just because I want them to share their perspective on the situation and we can get a conversation going collectively about the idea of racism. But man, for the most part, all the feedback has been good. I haven't seen any arguments like in the uh in the comments and none of that it's all been positive feedback positive speaking and um understanding and that that's the only thing i wanted you know from this situation
0: now what have you learned is there anything that you know that you during these conversations that have surprised you um not only about yourself but you know some of the other people you know some of the guests that you have is there's something that you know you talked about that you didn't expect or you didn't understand or you didn't even know somebody went through. And then, like from your own side, like you know, when you have a conversation with somebody, is this something that you learned about yourself? You know, throughout these conversations.
1: I think one of the first things, and it kind of doesn't even deal with the actual topic, is that I should have been doing this a lot earlier. Yeah. You know, like yeah. I didn't really start getting in touch and like with like my heritage until I met Shane Lawall. Wall. Mm-hmm. Like we sat down when I played with him in Sassery and just like. He just broke it down. We were talking about racism and like race and the history of the world, the history of the United States. I'm just like, man, why I should have been learning more so about myself as who I am as an African American than, you know, all this other stuff playing video games, listening to like I should have been researching because once again, you're gonna, you know, lead someone at some point, a child, you know, your cousins, a young teammate, anybody can take an example from you of what you've been through. So like, I feel like if I would have been, you know, talking about these things more often with more people, but like publicly, I I don't like to share things publicly mm-hmm. like that because, you know, you never know the, like you said, the word feedback is how it's gonna come back, how it's gonna be portrayed, how people are gonna perceive it. But at the end of the day, man, to get change, you have to change things about yourself as well as the world. So that's what I feel like this this these IG talks have been doing for me and just putting myself out there giving my perspective, my opinions and hearing others. And now um, as far as the people I've actually talked to, I'm actually very surprised to hear that they have went through racist activity while here in Europe. Because I felt like for me, my experience in Europe, I've only went through like one traumatic racial situation and that was uh, four years ago in Malaga. But other than that, like my, time being here has been great. I love Europe. I I feel like I'm treated like a person as like in the states I feel like I'm treated like a threat or like yeah. you know, a, a mystery like who is he? What what is this dude? What's he doing here? Why is he so big? Why is he you know um talking so aggressively? Why is he so loud? You know what I'm saying? Here in Europe I feel like also because of our image as an athlete, they they take more time to try to get to know you some. I feel like in the states is not that way as far as for me. So like to hear my my teammates, my former teammates, and uh, even Jury talk about some of the things that she went through, I was very surprised, you know? And, um, but once again, that's just something that you have to, you know, talk to people about to actually hear, understand, and get to know from someone else going through things that you might've thought would never be happening because of your personal experience. So um, everybody's experience is different everywhere you go. And uh, that's one thing I definitely learned from them, talking to them uh, in the IG talks.
0: Yeah, I think the, the, the fact that you're having these conversations is important because from, you know, from what I've learned and, and, and the knowledge that I have gained is that you can't change something without first bringing up the conversation.
2: Mm-hmm. And without
0: conversation, you won't be able to change anything because, right. you know, if you know, if I don't talk to you, if you don't talk to me and we both have a disagreement or an issue um, on a, the same issue, the same problem we won't know until we you know we speak about it and talk about it and i think right. that is kind of the 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 main issue and the main divide you know when it comes to racism when it comes to injustice cuz i mean when you break it down to it in my opinion everybody wants the same thing everybody's mm-hmm. goals and you know everybody's um you know main you know main values in life are basically the same it's just that you know people only see the surface and they're afraid to kind of you know sometimes peel the onion back um, mm-hmm. And you know, have these in-depth conversations. And like I said, man, I, I applaud you for having these. And, you know, it, man, man you yes. know, I, I've I've learned a lot just from you know, just from hearing and just you know, just from talking and, and just from you know, talking to you. And then you know, also also listen to these conversations, man. I mean, they've been a total eye opener. So I would, you know, I would tell people um, to definitely check these conversations out and definitely, um, you know, get a get a definitely listen because you're definitely going to learn something and take some value out of it.
1: Thank you, man. I appreciate that. You know, I I just feel like it's something that should be shared with, you know, like I said, if it only gets to one person and that changes someone's view on the world, then that's all we need, you know what I'm saying? Like I said, and that's going to branch out to other people. You know, it doesn't have to be shared 2 million times. Just, you know, one person leads to so many other more, uh, to so many people that you probably don't even know, but it can change a lot going on, you know, in a region, a city, the world, who knows, But. You have to put yourself out there, and that's what I thought I should start doing.
0: Now, let's talk about your own personal experiences when it when it comes to you know racism and, and um, inequality and, and injustices. Now, when you think about racism, inequality, social social injustice, what's the first thing that comes to mind to you?
1: I always think the the, the first thing that always pops in my mind is history. Mm-hmm. Like um, the reason we are where we are is because of the history of the world. You know, doing with slavery, then you go into all different types of things with Jim Crow, civil rights, blah, blah. But that's the plight of the African American man or the African American woman is that situation. But where we are today is that I feel like now we judge everyone off of appearance. You know what I'm saying? Like right away. It's like, oh he's black, oh he's big, he's scary, uh, oh, he's aggressive, or oh, he's white. Oh. He's good. He's rich. Yeah. He's this. He's that. Or he's from Romania. Oh, they—they they are thieves. They do this. They do it. You know, everything is judged off of like appearance, like what they see with the eye, and like what I've been doing for the last, especially the last six years, is trying to. Every person I meet, I try to at least talk to them, and get a vibe, and then go from there, mm-hmm. but not judge a person. I mean, I'm talking about the person I meet on the street a global delivery man, like whoever it is, I just try to catch a vibe first before I try to just automatically signify that this person is this way. You know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Just because they aren't like me. Now, Cal, at the end of the day, to be honest, because of the history of the world, every Caucasian, well, every white person, but every Caucasian I see, I shouldn't trust them. I shouldn't talk to them because of the, the history of the world, but that's not what it is. You know what I'm saying? We are human beings. And that's what I've learned more and more every day and that's more more what i'm trying to teach you know our son is that every person is his own person is not anything nothing else matters but that they are human they deserve respect until they don't respect you you know what i'm saying absolutely And things correct. like that but like i feel like all these things start at home and like i wish i like i said earlier, i wish i would start to learn them a lot earlier but you know what i'm saying we all make mistakes you know and we also use our idle times in uh in the wrong way but i'm happy i've I had that one conversation with Shane Law and it just kind of changed my whole view of my life as well as the world. You know, and that's why this is where I am today. So um until we get to a point where I feel like we we stop judging each other and labeling each other by something as dumb as color, I feel like nothing is ever going to change because these things have been set in stone for us thinking with these words, these terms we use yeah I, I, want like you, I want you i want
0: you to elaborate when mm-hmm. elaborate that on um more because you, you talk about I, that in one of your conversations mm-hmm. about you know how the there should be the re- removal of the stigma of the word the color like you know this person is white this person is black right on, right this on. person like like elaborate on more on that because i think right that's on. a like, something so, that's uh, important
1: for me like the thing is even if you break down the words i heard this uh in a documentary called hidden colors a lot yeah. of people. Um, i Great know a lot of young brothers have. i've seen quite yeah. a few uh, of them and i know there's a new one out but i remember uh a guy was breaking down just the, the terms black and white and the synonyms that come with those words and like black was like dark scary mysterious evil and then white was holy yeah. innocence uh pure spirit mm-hmm. pure you know what i'm saying right off the strength of that when you say someone is a black person, these signal, these synonyms automatically just start probably coming to your head because that's what you know. You know what I'm saying? If you watch TV, when scary things happen, they don't happen in the light, they happen in mm-hmm. the dark or mm-hmm. in the black. You know what I'm saying? When good things happen, they happen in the light, which would be white. You know what I'm saying? And I know it seems very simple, but it's a real thing. I feel like the more and more we use those words, we are objectifying people. Mm-hmm. And people are not colors. People are people. Are people. people originate from places, people come from different, so many places throughout this land, but we sit up here and we actually label people by color. Objects are colors, not people. And then at the end of the day Kyle, I make it more simple for a person to be called black. If you look at my skin, your skin, we're not black, we're yeah. brown. Mm-hmm. So if you don't call me my color, they call me what you really see. Mm-hmm. Don't come up with a word that you want to come up with because that's not how it is. You know what I'm saying I'm and I know people be thinking I'm joking sometimes, but I'd be dead serious. Like, if a random person comes up to me and calls me black, I'm like, hey, bro, I'm not black, I'm an African American, or mm-hmm. if you want, if you want to take it somewhere else, I'm brown. But that whole signal, like, I feel like you have to set people straight with these, with these simple words, man, because I feel like these words have led us to where we are, man. Like, the way it's portrayed in the media, if a Caucasian does something, he's a white male, and then people say, oh, well, he came from a broken home, or he was in this situation, About then when they say, oh, it was a black male, or, oh, well, he was in a drug-infested neighborhood, and he probably did so many other things, because these two words automatically signify who these people are right away. And I feel like that's something we should definitely get away from, and it's 2020. There's no way in hell we should still be signifying people with the words white and black or with color. And I hate when I hear people say, oh, well, it was just easier then that means you're lazy. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? At the end of the day, especially if I know this person, if I know him or her personally, I know they come from uh, the United Kingdom or I know they come from Italy. So I'm going to call them Italian, not white. You know what I'm saying? And even at home, like when I'm in the States, I call people like random Caucasians, Caucasian, and they look at me funny, but I'm like, my, I I don't see color. I see a person that comes from somewhere and there is a word for that. It's not a color. There's a word for who, you, for where you're from. And for me, I'm an African-American. I'm not a black man. I'm not a black person. I am an African-American person. You know what I'm saying? So I know some people think that like, honestly, I go a little too far, but at the end of the day, man, I'm my own man and I do what I have to do. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. To, to signify who I am as a person. And I'm not gonna let someone define me. I'm gonna define myself. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean,
0: mean? It, it, make, it makes absolute sense. Like when initially when I, to be honest with you initially when you when I heard it I was like like it doesn't make sense you saying like you, you're not calling yourself black like you offending other you know black people but then when mm-hmm. you actually sat there and broke it down and I li- really like kind of heard the conversation I was like it, it, you simplified it and you made it you know you make it understandable and it, and, and to me like it's it's absolutely true. Like people shouldn't be objectified and shouldn't be called by a certain color because we're more than just a color. There's a person behind that. So I I, 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 just,
1: I feel like the, the, at the end of the day, man, with the situation of color, I'm telling you, man, it just automatically defines and signifies who that person is. And that's exactly why you have the situations going on in the States, dealing with like police brutality, because when it's a black man, his life is worthless, you know why? Because he's black, but when it's a white man, we just saw in Illinois, a Caucasian man, went to bowling alley and shot six people, three died, three lived. But since he's a Caucasian male or Caucasian, nothing happened to him. You know what I'm saying? He's in, he got taken in jail, he he got his due process. But if it was a black man, there wouldn't have been nothing left out there but bullet shells, I mean, uh, shells from bullets, bro. You know what I'm saying? So like, I feel like, and that stems from just two words, black worthless or black is this white Mm -hmm. is, you know, black white has worth white. No, we can't do that to white because he's white. You know what I'm saying? How would that look? You know what I mean? I I think it's just so simple, man, especially in the day and age that we are in, in the information age, you can find out all these things, looking up on the internet, figuring out why we use these terms, but that depends on the person. If they want to take the time to become educated about the world. Because so many people don't, but at the, end so, of the day, that's not my, that's not your choice. It's not you know my choice, but I have to make a choice for myself, and that's how I, uh, I continue to def- to define myself to the people that meet me for the first time, or if we've been friends for years, and that's why I hope to continue to teach our son as well.
0: Now you talked about it. You know, it all starts from home, and your home is Louisville, Kentucky. Um, for mm-hmm. those in our European listeners, you know, Louisville was, you know, the mid, you know, kind of Midwest, mid Southwest, I guess you would say, um, mm-hmm. you know, so growing up, did you experience any, you know, any overt racism or, you know, anything like that? That Looking back on it now, you like, man, like that, that was, that was racist or, you know, or did you even realize it the then growing up?
1: I mean, I've heard, you know, the word nigger be thrown around, you know, here and there from Caucasian folks, but. I've only had like one real instance in my uh, in my lifetime, and that actually happened in a basketball game. I, I talked about this in one of my conversations. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were playing. I think, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think we were in Myrtle Beach, on so sure. We were playing the game. I was playing really well, and the guy was guarding me. was a Caucasian kid, and um, you know, I'm scoring the ball, scoring the ball, and uh, then I scored one more time. And the guy was like, "All right, you're not gonna score on me again, nigger." And I was like. I just heard that right, and I was like, "Okay, maybe I heard something else." So then I I scored again on like a fast break layup, and he was like, "I promise you, nigger, that's the last time you're gonna score on me, blah blah." And I said, "Bro, you got one more time to use that word in this game because I'm trying to keep my posture, oh my composure because the situation of like college coaches that are watching you, you know." And I'm I'm gonna get to that point uh when I make my point, and uh, you know, just in general because you know this is a the, the game, man, Like I'm trying to just focus on the game. I'm not trying to let anything from the outside reach me here, you know what I'm saying? This is my arena, this is what I've been doing my whole life. I love to do it. So I can't let something like that affect me here. Man, we come down two more trips, ball going to rim. I get a tip in and he's like, man, somebody can help me box this nigga out. And I just backhand him, bro. Like just, I swung for the fences. So I hit him. And like, you know, they broke us up, blah, and blah. And I get a technical foul. And then I told the referee, like, what happened? And they gave him a tech. And then my coach didn't hear it until I came home and told him. He was like, what man? What the hell you do that for? And I told him, he was like, oh, well, all right, uh, mm-hmm. play ball. OK, you're having a great game, you know, mm-hmm. go ahead. And uh, but I do remember something that always stuck out in my mind, Billy Donovan was there um, recru- recruiting me. Uh, the coach from Florida. Yeah. I hope I got his name right. Yeah. And um, I just saw him pack his stuff up, get his backpack, and he just walked out. And like I never had the opportunity to explain what was going on as a 17 year old kid. Automatically, you know, you you know, you hot headed, you immature, you know, blah blah blah. But I never had the opportunity to explain. The only thing he probably saw was, oh, this kid is effing crazy. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? What is this? You know what I'm saying? Not knowing what's really going on in between the lines. Things that should never be brought in between the lines yeah. were or said has nothing to do with basketball. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So like uh that's really the only crazy uh like racial situation I've had growing up. But you know, you know, you have a, a father and a mother just like I do, and you hear stories and things being taught, but I ain't gonna lie, being young, I didn't even think they were really talking about anything that really happened you know or was really going on in the world the way that slavery was taught when i was growing up in elementary middle school is that all oh, just a bunch of people from africa came here and worked and that was that but you don't learn like the real situations you know what i'm saying what really happened and i think in a sense that's racial too if i'm really thinking about it yeah. You know, in retrospect, but um, that was probably my 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 craziest racial experience was that one. So, but at the end of the day, man, I feel like as an African American, it's gonna happen. Yes, yeah, some point in your life, because you can't tell the world how to react to you. You can only react to the world. So I feel like every African American will go through something where they have be been like, "Why did that happen?" Just because I'm African American, like why, mm-hmm. like why, why me, or why us, or why anybody else have to go through something racial? Like it just shouldn't happen, Cal, uh, to a one-year-old baby, to a 98-year-old man, but these things do.
0: Now, one of the when you talk about things that happen in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, and like I said, for also for the people that are European followers and people that are listening, um, you know, Louisville was pretty much the epicenter of the, you know, the the Black Lives Matter movement, the, the social injustice movement, um, because, you know, rest in peace to Breonna Taylor, you know, she was, you know, tragically murdered, um, you know, in Louisville, Kentucky, um, in her apartment, um, you know, from police officers. Um, you know, what, being from that community, growing up, you know, born there, raised there, a lot of your family member and friends from there, you know, what was your initial reaction, you know, when you first heard the story and then, you know, how did your, your family and your friends react as well?
1: I mean, what's crazy about that one is the media coverage, you Kyle, know? yeah. because you heard so many different stories, like, oh, she was selling drugs or, oh, she was with a drug dealer or, oh, uh, she was doing this or she was doing, and it's just like, well, how many different stories are going to come out, you know, so where y'all trying to, make this seem like this was a bad person. They deserve to die. You know what I'm saying? Not knowing that you literally just busting in someone's crib, they got startled, they shot because they thought somebody was breaking into their home and y'all just shot that joint up like call of duty. And you know, at the, at the end of the day, a young woman is dead mm-hmm. for no reason because no y'all reason. have false information. And then a bunch of stuff was coming out. So man, everybody was just talking about, you know, how bad is it gonna get, it wasn't just about Breonna Taylor. They were just like, how much worse is it gonna get? It's already happening. You know what I'm saying? Like we can go all the way back to Mike Brown, you know it's already been happening. This happened, then this happened, then this happens. And then when Breonna Taylor happened then ultimately George Floyd, everybody just had this sense of like enough is enough. Yeah. Like I, I, I'm just, we're, we as a people are just done. You know what I'm saying? Now, the whole situation with Black Lives Matter, I feel like they have definitely put everything that's been going on as far as racism and police brutality on Front Street in the right way, you know what I'm saying? But also, I, I I think the whole riots, the protest, all that stuff was needed, you know what I'm saying? Because when you just kind of talk about it, you write a post, a hashtag, nobody cares, man. But when you really get in front of people and really have a conversation, show that, that anger that distraught you know what i'm saying about what's going on i feel like that's how things ultimately can change so the whole situation with brown and taylor man it just kind of set louisville on fire Mm -hmm. you know i mean there's been situations of racism in louisville dealing with uh, dirty cops playing drugs on people and blah 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 but seeing a young woman killed that way where she had no chance of living at all like as soon as it happened it was a done deal you know, it just made Louisville, they made the people of Louisville say, nah, this isn't enough, this is enough, I'm not here, not now, it's time for us to do something. And they did, they went out, they protested, they tore some stuff up. And at the end of the day, I, I mean, it is what it is. You know, uh, we shouldn't be having people, no matter, once again, no matter what color they are, should be dying the way that people are dying. You know, these people are dying like dogs being shot in the street. And yeah. even a dog shouldn't be shot in the street. You know what I'm saying? But it just seems like it's it's so okay for an African American life or a colored life to be taken. It's like it's so okay in our world, you know what I'm saying? Like that whole situation dealing with Breonna Taylor. Once again, I feel like put everything on Front Street that things have to change, and I hope they will. I mean, I, I'm 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 being hopeful. I feel like you have faith yeah. myself, you know what I'm saying? But. We'll see what happens. But the people from Louisville really did stand up. They did what they had to do. They came together and uh, they still trying, man. Because uh, as you know, those cops have not been uh, convicted. They haven't been charged anything. You know what I'm saying? And nothing, like nothing has been, only thing they said was uh, attempted murder because they shot through someone else's house. Yeah. That's it
0: which is something that, Nothing I mean, else which, just came out. which is something that happens way too often that I think people outside of the U S um, and outside of the black community don't understand. They don't get it. Why there, um, there is this distrust or mistrust with the police community um, with black people. And you know, my best friend, one of my best friends is a police officer. And I talk, about this mm-hmm. conversation with him all the time. And yep. it's like, you know, it's, from a young age, you know, when you're in a car and a police officer, police officer stops you, you automatically tense up or even if you're just driving your car and a police officer behind you, you automatically tense up. So it's like, you know, there has to be some type of, you know, balance between the institute mean,
1: so that's, it's that, that's so funny, you bring that up, pal, because like you asked me earlier about like a racial situation. I, I'm gonna let you decide. It's gonna yeah. be real quick. One summer, I think it was six years ago, I was driving my car with two of my friends uh a cadillac convertible Eldorado, driving through the bar area so it's loud music everywhere blasting you know what i'm saying it's a thursday night it's 11 p.m whatever so i'm driving we are got to go to the bar me and my two friends i get pulled over so i'm like okay so right away the first question they ask me not even license and registration do you have any weapons in the car what the hell do okay. you mean? Do I have weapons in the car?
0: Yeah.
1: Like, what? What? Why is it your first question? Why is it your first remark? Whatever. I said no. Then they asked for license and registration. Give that to them. Whose car is this? My father's. You know what I'm saying? I'm just using it for the summer because I play ball. So automatically I'm explaining that, you know what I'm saying? What I do doesn't even matter. So I was like, uh, officer, uh, why, why was I stopped? Oh, you were playing music loud. I was like, well, I mean, we in the bar, there's loud music everywhere here. Like why, what, right off the strength of me saying that bro, he went berserk. Also, were you trying to get smart? Are you trying to, what are you trying to say? You trying to get, right away, cause my boy, like yours is a police officer. My boy's a firefighter. Right away I should up, said, no, sir, I'm sorry. I shouldn't even have mentioned it. And then my boy, you know, kind of showed his, uh, his fireman card and everything ended up being okay. But off the strength of that Cal, like weapons, anger, in the, I swear in a flash of 45 seconds, like why? Now I'm not saying to myself, I'm not saying it was racist. That cop could have been having the worst day of his life. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And things are going on at home, you know, and you know, bills are needing to be paid, you know, Bob, you don't know. But the only thing I can judge is like your energy towards me. And I just felt like that all that stuff was not needed whatsoever. I asked a simple question, but you asked me a question that in my opinion was racial profiling talking about some weapons not even asking me about my car first or explaining why I was pulled over you know what I'm saying so man I just thought the strength of that the whole situation with like the police force my opinion I think they're underpaid these people put their their lives on the line every day they're underpaid but ain't nothing I can do about it ain't nothing you can do about it yeah but then you have the situations that happen with people dying and being you know killed or manhandled in the streets, is it racism or is it anger? You know, from the situations you never can really tell, but the only thing that you do know is that the victim is always African-American or we had a Mexican being beat down in a grocery store about two weeks ago Mm -hmm. for it seemed like it was nothing. He got killed in a grocery store. Then we have a Caucasian cop every time. Now, is it racism or anger? Right away, you're gonna think it's racist if I'm not being- if I'm, if I'm being real, but do we know that? Do we know that out of strength? We don't, maybe that man has a, an African-American wife at home, but he just pissed off and then he just loses it. You know what I'm saying? But right away we think it's racism. And these things just because of color is why these things happen. Right, to me, man, I just think we, we just in a bad way, Kyle. Yeah, In a bad way.
0: How do you, now, before I ask you this question and mm-hmm. I want to ask you about, um. You know the George Floyd video. When you've seen the George Floyd video, what were your initial reactions? Um, I could speak on mine. Um, you know, number one, the, the first thing that came to mind was as we talk about you know interactions with the police. Um, you know, I've been pulled over. I'm sure as anybody has been pulled over, have had interactions with police. And my my first thought came to mind was, you know, how many you know how many different situations I could have been in where that could have been me. Or that could have been in one of, one of my friends if literally if we like you said, if, if maybe the police officer was having a bad day, maybe, you know, it was a, a situation went wrong. Maybe I could have said something that, you know, that that ticked him or pissed him off. Um, and then also I really I, I went into dad mode. And, you know, when he was sitting there and you know, as the cop was on, was on his knee and he was calling out for his mom. And I can immediately think, you know, you have a son, I have a son. And it's like, you know, imagine, you know, seeing that video as a father or as a mother, um, you know, seeing your child, you know, go through this, you know, go through this for, you know, for, for no reason um so it was heartbroken and I mean and I'm not a super emotional person not a super emotional guy but you know from mm-hmm. that video you know I showed a lot of emotions and I'm sure you know that's what sparked a lot of emotions out of a lot of people because you know as we said with Breonna Taylor and then like I said with George Floyd we know everybody was like enough's enough like is this going to change so you know what what were your initial reactions when you seen the video um of George Floyd
1: I'm a Try to keep this as short as possible because I think you're gonna feel where I'm coming from. And this is gonna be controversial, but I don't care. Yeah. When I first saw George Floyd, I watched the whole video and immediately I thought of Dylan Roof. Mm-hmm. Dylan Roof went into a church in South Carolina and killed nine elderly African American people, premeditated, didn't care, went or killed people. He was taken from his home taken to get Burger King and then taken to the police station. Why did he not die? Mm -hmm. You killed nine people. I don't care about anything else. You killed nine people. How does a man that went to a store, maybe supposedly using counterfeit money, whatever, how does he die in that situation being nonviolent? How does he die? Why does he die? Yeah. Why? Because once again, he's black. So the view is he is worthless. He has no worth. Dylan Roof has worth. Why? Because he is labeled as white. And that's it. You know what I'm saying? That I didn't even I thought about George Floyd. Don't get me wrong. But right away I thought, how does this man die for something like this being nonviolent, being held up by the police? There's four police officers there. He would have to be mentally crazy to do anything to, to, you know what I'm saying, put himself in a position where he would die. And he still dies, but then this man goes and kills nine people and he's just taking like VIP treatment, like nothing even happened. You know what I'm saying? Number two, how do you not understand that putting a man in handcuffs, there's nothing he can do? Yeah, he's on the ground already. Where is he going? Yeah, what is he gonna do? But you put your knee on his neck and I had no idea about you know, you hitting a certain vein that closes off oxygen or whatever. I'm not a doctor. I'm just going off of what the reports were. And they say, you know, if you do that for a certain amount of time, you can die. But you still sat there while this man was screaming, I can't breathe. He started to cry. He started to bawl and cry for his mom who's, die- who's dead. All these things. And you still sit there until you feel that he's unresponsive. Mm-hmm. That, that off the strength of me, that deserves a life sentence. I'm sorry, yeah. you should never come out of jail again. That was torture. That wasn't just murder. That was torture. Murder is you shoot a guy you know, with a gun. You tortured him for eight minutes yeah. where he could not breathe. He was thinking about, am I going to make it home? He was thinking about, why is this happening to me? Am I going to make it home to my kids? All these things for eight straight minutes, and then he dies. Can you imagine, and as you said, the last point, if I saw Jordan on the ground like that, I don't care that I'm a professional basketball player, Kyle, and I'm telling you this, today, December, what's today, 28th, whatever the day is, bro, I would go crazy, like for real, to see my son be in a situation like that. And it's not that this man has been convicted of anything, He's not been charged with anything. He's not violent. He's doing everything by the code. He's being, you know, he's letting the police do what they need to do. And he still is putting a situation like that. I'm going berserk. That's the only thing I thought. All those three points is what I thought. I was just like, this is unbelievable. This right here is what people need to realize. This is a real thing. These situations really do happen. That I'm going to say it because as they say, it's simple. Black lives are worthless because these are the only type of people or colored lives are worthless. These are the only type of people who die these ways dealing with the police or hell, with just people in general mm-hmm. or people like us. But um, just to make a quick head on uh, what you said about Black Lives Matter. See, there the reason why I'm kind of like in the middle ground about that whole thing is because there was a situation that really made me mad, bro, in Louisville that happened about two months ago mm-hmm. the story is there was a a kid young guy I think he was in his early 20s um the guy was murdered in his car now cow I don't know what he was doing with his life you know what I'm saying you put yourself in the streets things happen but man the guy had his three-year-old daughter in the car and they murdered the daughter too off the strength of that that's when I was thinking about all the people who talk about black lives matter and all this stuff where Wait, yeah. when? Yeah. We as a people yeah. have to do better. Yeah. These things cannot happen, and we I mean, talk about Black Lives Matter. It's not just the police. It's not just Caucasians. We,
0: we as people. As I mean, a that's, people, that's the that's the biggest you know criticism saying? of of the Black Lives Matter, especially you know, I mean, where where I'm from, the the Philadelphia area, where it's like you know, there's mm-hmm. a murder every day. You know,
1: bro, world was going crazy, and it's all teenagers. Yeah, and that's what's scary, Cal. It's all teenagers was going on in my city. My mom and dad tell me every time I talk to them, a 16 year old kid kills a 14 year old, a 15 yeah. year old kid, kid kills a 19 year old. And they all African Americans just like dog. But these same kids are like in these same lifestyles of, as soon as a police officer does something to an African American, they wanna be up here talking about Black Lives Matter. Yeah. No, man, we can't have it both ways. We as a people have to do better and then we can talk about this situation. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, up things are happening with the situation of, uh, police brutality. But Bro, the things that are happening in our community as a whole is African Americans. Come on, man, they shouldn't be happening. Yeah, you know it's what I'm like saying? almost like that. Something the, like the, that should not happen.
0: The what I guess what people say is like, you know, you can't, you know, ask for value until you value your own. And, you know, that's that's a lot of like the biggest criticism like, you know, there's, you know, so many so it was like how are we going to ask um, you know, other people, white people, Caucasian people, police to value our lives when they look at us and you like, you know, y'all, y'all killing each other.
1: Y'all don't even value, yeah, you don't even value your own. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like I said, Cal, and once again, I'm saying some controversial stuff, but it is what it is, because I'm just keeping it real. Yeah, I don't know what the man was in. I honestly don't. You know what I'm saying? He could have been in all types of stuff, bro. But to see a three-year-old being murdered, like yeah. gunned down,
2: yeah.
1: like come like yo, what 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 are we doing? You know what I'm saying? Where, where where, do you draw the line? That's basically what I'm saying is where do you draw the line in the situation? You know what I'm saying? Dealing with ourselves as a community. You know what I mean? And then you want to go out here and these same people that do stuff like this, will go out here and talk about some Black Lives Matter or the system and all that. Come on, bro. You know what I mean? Like, come on, like call a spade a spade. We have to do better as a people. And then we can talk about everything else. But you have to look in the mirror first. It always starts with yourself. Start with self and then you can worry about everything else. I feel like what I'm talking about dealing with race, treating everybody with respect. I mean, I feel like you can be a credit to it. You know, you see how I treat everybody we meet. I don't give a damn what they look like, where they're from, color. I treat them with respect as a human being. You know what I'm saying? And I feel like people, we need to lead by example of ourselves going that way, especially our community.
0: Mm -hmm. I agree. I mean, I I agree. I mean, it has to be some type of, as I said before, some type of balance, um, you know, between both sides. Um, But, you know, with the Black Lives Matter movement, one of the things that I was most surprised of, um, obviously, you know, we've seen it, the protests, we've seen the rallies in the U.S., you know, with, you know, with, you know, Trayvon Martin and, and Mike Brown and, you know a number of different names that you know um you know we can go on and on about different names and people that have happened to but the biggest surprise to me was the global protest you know seeing people in 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 Paris seeing people in Australia you know i read somewhere they said that there was you know over i think it was 6 60 countries and it was across every continent that there were some type of protest or some type of you know acknowledgement of the black lives matter movement um you know so what were your thoughts about that? And you know, were you surprised as well?
1: I was very surprised, but I was honestly super impressed. Yeah. Because um I really felt that these people were doing this because they thought that it could bring change as far as things going on in their own countries, you know, dealing with racism as well. You know what I'm saying? So I, I was very proud to see all these other countries step up to the plate like that talking about these people lives matter too. You know what I'm saying? Cause I feel like that's one of the things that was taken away from it in America was when people said black lives matter, they use the words to try to, you know, oh, were you only saying that black lives matter. Of course not. Yeah, We're saying black lives matter too. Yeah. But seeing all these other countries, man, do the things that they did, turn down these racist um, statues and, defiling these things, dealing with, you know, like the Nazis and all types of stuff, bro. I was, I mean, I was clapping, you know, my soul was just clapping it up because these are things that should have been done so long ago, you know what I'm saying? But I'm sorry to say some people's lives were sacrificed, you know, for the greater good. And mm-hmm. it sucks, man, to say that, you know what I'm saying? But that seems like that's what happened for everybody to really take this on as a real problem in the world, you know? And that's why you should always, you know, Give you know, send a prayer to these people's families that had to go through these situations of seeing their loved ones die the way that they died, just for being who they are—African Americans, Black people. You know what I'm saying? It's, it just it sucked. But seeing all these people stand up the way they did here in Europe, Australia, all the things going on throughout the world, man, it was it was it was a big up to them. Very impressed, as you said, surprised. But I think also that's where social media came in. Yeah. Because seeing that video of George Floyd, I'm telling you, man, Sparked I feel like the, the same thing with with Brianna Taylor. People said uh, enough is enough. Like something really bad is going on in America as well as throughout the world, dealing with the idea of racism. Yeah. And um it, it was it was very nice to see. It really was. I was very surprised. And um, you know, I can't thank him enough as an African American man. I just can't. It really showed me that there are some people who think that we are people not colors we are together in this world you know some people have more than others but we are all just humans you know what i'm saying and mm-hmm. and that's what it really showed for me
0: now when another thing that sparked from this um you know from these controversial issues is you know at the resurgence of athletes using their platforms to you know spread awareness or to fight or to combat these issues now when you see athletes do this and you hear you know the the main criticism you know going back to you know with LeBron with the shut up and dribble or the criticism you know with um you know that athletes shouldn't talk about politics or shouldn't talk about these things. Um, They should only just focus on, you know, what they know best is that is that their sport, you know? So when you hear that, you know, what comes to mind for you and, you know, and how did you feel about the reaction of, you know, so many athletes and and again, yet again, it wasn't just, um, you know, even though the NBA and the WNBA was kind of Mm -hmm. at the forefront, the NFL and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, sports in America, but when you see, you know, the Barcelona men's basketball team, you know, wearing Black Lives Matter shirts or, mm-hmm. you know, Champions League, you know, um, you know, taking a knee um before mm-hmm. games or, you know, even right. with our, you know, even with our mission, you know, did th- th- that surprise you to see the, you know, the the global outcry from the the sports community as well?
1: I mean, it really didn't because uh that's one thing I can say has been good about the future, like where we are today is that in a sense, societal rules are kind of falling. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And what I mean by that is like back in the day, if you were an athlete, an entertainer, that's what you were supposed to do, entertain. You weren't supposed to think. You weren't supposed to feel. You weren't supposed to share your opinion. You were supposed to entertain, make money, and that's it. You know what I'm saying? Now I really feel that these athletes, as well as myself, we understand the power that we have mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying in the world. You know, it's not about just the money. It's about our faces, about our images, about our opinions that can change someone else's opinion about how they live in this world. And uh, seeing the, the way the NBA reacted to uh, that guy being shot up in uh, Wisconsin, you know, um, and seeing them leave the floor and decide not to play, I, I didn't think something like that would ever happen.
2: Yeah, like, I agree. Here
1: I am again surprised, you know, I, I was like, wow. And at some point I didn't know if they was ever going to play again. You know, because I was just like, so we, we've been talking about racism throughout this whole year since George Floyd, and then something like this happens. So it's just like the, the message has not been shared. The message has not been clear enough, and people don't care enough, you know what I'm saying? Because for something like this to still happen. But seeing athletes stand up the way that they have, I, I just feel like the only thing I can do, once again, is share my appreciation because mm-hmm. it seems like now, These guys don't care as much about image and all that stuff. I'm going to say what I need to say. I'm going to share my view, you know what I'm saying? Because I feel like some people need to hear it. There's someone out there that needs to hear a Jalen Brown say what he needs to say, or they need to hear a Serena Williams, as an African-American woman, say her piece about what's going on in the world, you know what I'm saying? And stuff like that. So it's been dope to see. You know, And I just hope it continues. I hope these guys continue to share you know how they feel their thoughts and not just about inside lines, mm-hmm. about the world because it matters it really does you know i feel like a lot of the youth look up to these athletes especially the big time you know big name athletes they really look up to how they you know feel about what's going on in the world and uh it's something that i just hope continues
0: now we in in europe um you know the most of the racism or racism that has happened towards athletes usually happens to soccer or, or football players. I um, mean, there was just a, you know, incident a couple of weeks ago when a referee, you know, got into an incident with a black coach and the players mm-hmm. walked off the field, um, you know, has something like that happened to you, um, you know, while you were playing in Europe, like in the middle of a match or in the middle of a game, or have you even experienced, um, you know, any type of racism like that?
1: Um, no, I'm gonna be completely honest. I yeah. haven't. uh, Only I just I remember one time arguing with a fan in like four league in the second league, but it was like basketball. It was nothing racial, you know. So I've never actually dealt with racist activity during a game, and I'm, I'm I thank the Lord for it yeah. because once again I I am older. I'm more mature, but also I know that fire I have in my heart about being disrespected in a way like that over a sport, you know what I'm saying? There's no way my color or who I am or what they think I am should ever be brought into the arena in between those lines. It has nothing to do with that, you know what I'm saying? But I I never have, but seeing people go through these situations, you know what I'm saying? Once again, I just give them all the credit in the world to stay as calm as they do, because I continuously think, like, what would I do in these situations? Mm -hmm. Some of these soccer players go on the field and they hear you know, people making the monkey noise like yeah. and ooh, ooh ah, and all that stuff. It's just like, damn, man, you gotta go out there and perform, you know why? Because you are being paid to perform. You know what I'm saying? You're not supposed to feel, you know what I'm saying? Or you're supposed acting. to go out there and just perform. You know what I'm saying? And um it, it makes me feel sad. It honestly does, because like I said, there's no way something like that should ever come in between a sport. A sport is entertainment for the people to enjoy. We love doing it, man, because we just love the, the nature of competition. Yeah. We love using our skill, what we've been doing and sacrificing for our entire lives. And now we sitting here sharing this with y'all for something that y'all can enjoy. But for you to take it so serious to the point where you would disrespect a person dealing with his race, just so maybe you can get a rise on him to where he would you know, not play as well. What are your priorities in life? Who are you as a person? You know what I'm saying? To, to do something like that. So for me, I'm just thanking God every day that I haven't went through anything, you know, racist while playing because that might be the day. Once again, you might have to hold me back, bro. Especially if, like, <laughs> if I'm close, if I can get close to him, but nah, man, no jokes aside. I mean, all jokes aside, like for real. Like it's just um once again, it kind of just shows where we are today. Like we we just need to continue to improve as people because uh that it's an it's unacceptable. Yeah. It's unacceptable something like that will be brought into the realm of, you know, sport entertainment where we are here to enjoy. Don't get me wrong, I understand competition. You love your team and blah, 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 but there is a line and everything, there's always a line and some lines should never, ever be crossed. And it happens more often than not. And uh, it's, and like I said, I, the word I always use is embarrassing. It is, as people, it's an embarrassing Absolutely. thing to see. It really is.
0: Absolutely. Now one thing i've noticed um this season um is that these topics have been coming up more often in locker rooms and especially our locker room especially Mm -hmm. with guys that are are um you know non-american you know european guys that don't Mm
2: -hmm. you
0: know you know don't have never experienced this before so what are your thoughts Mm -hmm. about that like you know these topics and these conversations you know finally um entering the locker rooms and finally know having these discussions um, you know, so even even though the course of you know, not, not just, you, just, just this, this, this season, but in the past for you, you know, have these conversations, you know, come up in the locker room, um, you know, with your American teammates or, you know, with European teammates, because at the end of the day, like we're all kind of a, a melting pot in our locker room. You know even guys from the states we have guys from all over yep. and even our foreign yep. players i mean we have guys that are from italy but they're from different parts of italy guys from yep. different parts of europe so you mm-hmm. know i'm happy to see these conversations start to come up so i wanted to know, right know about your thoughts
1: I, this is a good question like i can keep it i'm, I'm a, sure like a collective and in my individual point like collectively yeah. i just think it shows that trust and that bond of brotherhood you know what i'm saying that it's very hard to find, you know, what I'm saying in the world today, because, you know, we just got so much going on, but to see guys from different places, as you said, want to, to know what's going on with this situation, that situation, racism, social injustice, whatever it is, it's pretty. Aspiring to see, it's like, bro, you want to know what I'm going through or what someone else is going through and why they're going through it. So um, to see that going on in locker rooms and not only ours and other ones for sure, You know, I think it's a very dope concept to see that like everybody is there, not only for basketball, but also to understand each other as men. You Mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? And what we go through every day, you know, know, sometimes I talk to like more skinny about what it's like to be an Italian man and what he's experienced, you know, and stuff like that. So um, I think it's very, I think it's very inspiring and aspiring to see because it's like these people want to know not just the basketball player they want to know me as a man and what i've gone through in my life and what i you know have been going through now individually like uh i've always i think throughout my career you will never find a teammate that felt like they couldn't talk to me about anything Mm -hmm. i just feel like i've always been the coolest dude in the locker room because i want people to have that vibe that. You know, we're not only here for basketball, as I just said, we're here as men, but also as brothers. So we on a team, we're family. So if there's anything you want to talk about, if yourself, about me, my experience, or whatever, I always want to be able to share that link. Cause also I think it builds chemistry and trust on the floor too. Amongst each other, yeah. Because it's like Same I know him, I know this guy, I mm-hmm. know this dude, I know that that heart his heart, I know his, you know, what he thinks, and you know, stuff like that. Like, so uh, I, the, my example always, what I use when people ask me questions like this is about Gigi. Yeah. Always hated Gigi. Yeah. So I've been competing against them for years and now <laughs> I play one of them on the same team because I hate them for that damn fadeaway because it's, it's almost unstoppable. But um, like, I remember this uh, two summers ago, we were in the training camp for uh, the World Cup with the national team. And we had a like a 40 minute walk to back to the hotel or something, not 40, 30 minute walk, whatever. And there was some stuff going on here in Italy dealing with African immigrants. And me and Gigi literally talked not only for that 30 minute walk, we talked for like an hour and a half, two hours, hmm. just about the idea of racism so that he can understand it more about the things that's going on in, in America and why things are happening here in Italy. And also sharing that view with me so that I can understand what was going on in Italy. At the time being, Gigi was still playing for Fenerbahce. So we weren't gonna be teammates throughout the year, but we were teammates for the national team.
3: Yeah. But
1: that shows like that relationship that can be built off just conversation. You know what I'm saying? Gigi's a wonderful guy, don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. Now I was only saying I hate him just because on the floor,
3: but he's
1: <laughs> always been a dope guy. But us being able to share that moment of talking about a situation as big as racism and us being empathetic towards each other because of the way our countries were and what was going on, that shows that bond that can be built, you know what I'm saying, in a locker room that also will last a lifetime. Like me and Gigi, I feel like we can talk about anything at any time because he's a cultured man and he wants to know about everything that's going on in the world. If I don't call him Jack Sparrow, which is a pirate, (laughs) I call him uh, Dosey Keys because he's like the most interesting man in the world because he wants to know everything. like he, His mind, his brain, he wants to be filled with knowledge, you know what I'm saying, about what you're going through, what this teammate's going through, what that teammate thinks, what his opinion is. And it's pretty dope to have in a locker room. And uh, I've always wanted to share that link to my teammates. That I am an open book. We can talk about anything at any time because I trust you guys. But I also want you to know that, you know, you always have that trust in me, you know, that I will, be there to talk to you about anything, share my perspective and you share yours as well. So on um, the, the locker room, I feel like can can be built to to that bond of brotherhood, family, off of situations like this, because you get to know your teammates more than just passing the ball and then making a jump shot yeah. or them helping you weak side when you're getting beat off the dribble. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So.
0: That's part of the yeah. like you said the locker room brotherhood and i'm, I'm glad to yes. see those conversations occur more often and not only within our locker room but just amongst players just in general um it seems like in like in in your you're a prime example with your conversations that you've been having um and i've been having conversations with people and hearing different things mm-hmm. like to have those open dialogues and to learn um i think has been you know the probably the best part you know of this 2020 i guess experience mm-hmm. for me
1: yeah 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 yeah. it's been a positive thing i like the way you put that because it's been thrown in your face yeah so you have to talk about it you know what i'm saying it's not something that can just stay you know in the dirty laundry you don't have to wash it no now it's in your face you smell it you sense it you got to take care of it you have to bring it up you have to talk about it and take care of it, and, um, and like I said, share your perspectives, and you see where everybody is, and also share so people can understand. And uh, that's been one of the positives about twenty twenty has been that for sure. That's a good point, bro.
0: Now, getting to your your family and a little more personal. Um, you know, being African American man in Italy. Um, you know, for those that don't know, your wife is Italian, um, and you know, both of you have lived you know, grown up in completely different, you know, cultures, different, um, you know, upbringings. So, you know, when you have the conversations about that racism and growing up in America, you know, with her and and also her family, you know, what type of, you know, conversation, what type of questions, what type of subjects are, are, are brought up and how open are they? And not only, you know, her side of the family, but also your side of the family, you know, wanting to get to know their experiences, wanting to get to know, you know, her experiences as well.
1: Well, um as far as them, I just share the, I just share the history. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because they don't know it, Kyle. Yeah. They don't know about civil rights, Jim Crow. They know a snippet about slavery and that's it. Like I share things and show things to my wife and that she just can't believe has happened mm-hmm. in America. You know what I'm saying? And she's just like, wow, like these things really have happened. These are things we, we don't hear about over here, you know? So, uh, being able to share that stuff with them, they can continue to understand who I am as, a, as an African American man, the plight that I have, the challenges I may face throughout my life. Now, my family, they basically just want her to also understand and whenever our family, because our family hasn't been able to visit just yet, mm-hmm. like our mom and dad, uh, our brother. But I really hope, you know, when COVID's situated, they can but every time that Benedetta came to visit the States with us and now coming back since we never got married, they just want her to continue to understand like what it is in our neighborhood, the things that go on, you know, the, the, re, the, the way things are, the reasons they that are behind them and things like that. But they also do want to get to know like her history, mm-hmm. where she comes from, the things that have happened in Italy and stuff like that. It's kind of like a two way street yeah. you know, just sharing information, sharing experiences, and um, I think it's been nothing but positive for me. Like uh, to share that, the, I feel like my wife had that culture shock, which I did myself, you mm-hmm. know, coming to play professionally in Italy, but she did too, coming to like where I come, my neighborhood, seeing the things that she saw, she was just like, wow, like there's, this is what a real bad neighborhood looks like. Mm-hmm. This is what. Real poverty is, you know, what I'm saying, and things like that. So, um, it's just been nothing but eye-opening. I think that's the main word that I can use. It's been eye-opening for both of us on both accounts.
2: Mm-hmm. Now,
0: your your yeah. son, um, we're we're both fathers and we both have sons. Mm-hmm. Um, and even though he's still young. Um, you know, uh, shout out to King Jordan, um, but he's, uh, you know, he's going to grow up and he's not only going to be biracial, but he's also going to be bicultural. you know, being, uh, you know, Italian American, you know, so what type of lessons have you been, you know, talking to him, you know, or have you been talking to him, you know, already at a, at an early age, you know, what type of things have you been, you know, kind trying to, you know, uh, I guess you could say, you know, just say put in his head, but, you know, trying yeah. to, a, a, trying to, you know, get him to yes. understand, understand better. Totally.
1: I know what you're saying. You tell him, um, what am I trying to instill? Instill, instill in him. That's the, that's the proper, instill in him,
0: the foundations.
1: uh One for sure has been manners. Yeah, Like, you know, every person he sees, he speaks to him. Cause as mm-hmm. you've seen with me, definitely. I speak to everybody that <laughs> yeah, i definitely. you know, cause that's just, that's how I was raised. You know, mm-hmm. like my dad does, does the same way. You know, my dad's like the Grinch, but like when he first approaches someone, he speaks, you know, he's very mannerable and he's always taught that to me. And those things have to be passed down because those are the things that have been lost. You know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? I feel like in our society. So every time Jordan sees somebody, he speaks, he says, thank you, just the little things, you know? But I think one thing I definitely did start with him, and that was a year ago, once he really started to learn color was his skin Mm -hmm. because I want him to define himself. I don't want him to allow people to define him by a word that he doesn't understand because if he doesn't see black that's not what I want to be defined as. So when I ask him like so what what color is your skin? What I've heard is light brown or mm-hmm. gold, things like this. You know what I'm saying? I've never heard the word black and I've always I always wanted to be that way. I want Jordan to define himself as what he sees him as what he sees in the mirror every mm-hmm. day that he wakes up. You know what I'm saying and I think when you try to instill that foundation about self-worth self self-assur- uh, self-assurance that's as important. a person that's where you you know lead a young man to being a good man you yes. know what I'm saying and something of this society that can help others throughout you know his life so uh man I, I just I, those are just basic the basic fundamentals man is just been respect for his fellow man his fellow kids that he plays with. And um, learning that he's just a person like everyone else, he's not a color. He's a he's a young boy. He's a he's going to grow into being a man, as you mm-hmm. said, a king. So you have to signify yourself as that. I'm I define who I am. I'm gonna tell you who I am, not what you think I am. You know what I'm saying? And I know it's early. It's three, four years old. But hey, it's never too early. It's
2: never you know too saying?
1: early. Never too early to instill that information. That knowledge, you know, because uh that's something that, that won't be forgotten. It's something that'll be passed down.
0: Agreed, agreed. Now, sticking with the with the family, let's talk about the, the family business. Um, mm-hmm. you know, you're wearing the shirt now, uh, take off Milano. Um yes, so sir. you know, describe the origin and the ideas behind the clothing brand. I'll read the 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 description you have on the website. We do this by drawing out our world of references that are clothes and fashion, creating an intense metaphor. And our story, undressing means taking off what means us makes us slaves to the ideas of others and blind to reality. Getting naked means showing yourself for who you are without boundaries. Getting dressed means proudly showing off your ideas, exposing your visions of the world, and having the courage to raise your voice and set a message and evolve. That's powerful, man. So, so you know, talk about you know the origins of that and, and, and talking about the the ideas and the message behind the clothing brand and what are you looking, the goals you're looking to try to get out of this.
1: It was actually um, my brother-in-law's Giacomo Pinati. It was his idea. He he was telling me that, you know, I wanna, I've always liked clothes, you know what I'm saying? I have an idea about a clothing line. And then we started to talk, you know, break it down for the last two years. And exactly what you came up and read just now is exactly how we feel. Mm -hmm. With fashion, you show to the world who you are. I don't think people realize that enough. And that's how I feel about the way I dress. So for instance, when I come to the gym, you see me with a Goku hoodie on, you know that I like anime. Or if I come to the gym, I have on Marvin Gaye on my hoodie, you know that I like Marvin Gaye or Malcolm X. Things like this, I'm showing to the world. If I never meet you again, I'm showing you who I am, what I like, what I what my, you know, what I stand by, things like that. With our brand, that's exactly where we want people to go is that when you are our brand, it's not only about the social injustices, racism, things like that. It's also taking off, which is going towards something in life. So when you take off, you're, you're gaining momentum to being mm-hmm. a better you, success, you know, a better addition to this world, but also taking off, which comes back to the social injustice, racism, whatever our case, our topic may be for a season that you're taking off that stigma of that negativity towards something, racism, violence towards women, mental uh, mental health, as you brought up, we were talking about earlier, you know, depression, things like that. You know what I'm saying? This brand is to help you show to the world that you are either taking off towards something or you're taking off something, taking off something. that will hinder you from being a better human being. So uh, once we really broke it down and talked and got our ideas together, that's exactly what we want people to wear our brand for. It's like, we either want you to wear it because, you know, you really share our views about the world, yourself, the motivation, the ambition that you may share with someone else or just, you know, the person that you see in the mirror every day, mm-hmm. or you really love our brand and you love the gear, you know what I'm saying? You love how it feels and you love the fact that you are supporting something like this. I don't want people just to wear it just because, that's the wave if it ever becomes the wave you know what i'm saying like people like really word our brand and you know we're just starting now but i don't want this to be off hype yeah i want this to be off that you really share what we are doing here you you respect it you care about it you view it the same way that we do and you view the world the same way that want, we do. you want to do substance you behind substance behind exactly the hype. yes and you enjoy the quality of the clothes and, and things like that I never want this to fall into hype because that's not why I'm doing it. That's mm-hmm. not why we're doing it. You know what I'm saying? Because that whole hype beast thing, I hate. I want you to really wear this brand because you want to show to the world that this is what you're a part of. That's why it's, when you buy something, we say, thank you for being a part of the takeoff. Because that yeah. means that you're heading towards something or you're taking something off that's holding you back from being the be- uh, a better human being in this world. So yeah, man, like um, he came up with, you know a great name something that really means something and um from there man as i keep saying we just took off and we just got some ideas we got our logo and um we just create continue to create this notion that this is going to be something that people will love to to be a part of people will love to wear and people will love to share to people as they walk past them in the airport the bus station when they go out for drinks when they go to dinner you know they're gonna show that they are part of the takeoff. You know what I'm saying? And uh, we, you know, we just starting. And as you know, man, you gotta crawl before you can walk, and you gotta walk before you can run. But you know, this has been something. Also, on the outset, being an African American man, saying that I own something, I'm a part of something. cow this could fail tomorrow, bro. But I can say to Jordan, my wife. Even though she's a partner, but like, I own something. We owned yeah. something. We created. You created something. something. Yeah. You know what I'm saying?
0: That's the most even more. And important.
1: Now we can figure out. Yes, you know what I'm saying. We can figure out what happened. Why? But at the end of the day, we gave something to the world. You know what I'm saying? We had something. You know what I'm saying? A lot of us as African American, we don't come up with this notion about owning ownership, being the owner, yeah. being the creator. We don't yeah. come up. We think about being a worker bee. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Getting a job or just fitting in. But no, man, like I own a brand. I am a part of a brand. Like that in itself to me is just like surreal.
2: Yeah,
1: like something I never thought I would do. The same way about playing professional basketball. I didn't think I'd be a professional. I wanted to play in the NBA, of course. Every kid playing basketball wants to play in the NBA. But I never thought it was gonna happen, but it did. And it, it did because of hard work, sacrifice and also being with the right people. And this is exactly what takeoff is for me. I'm with the right people. We have the same dream, the same vision to share this to the world, that they will enjoy our product, enjoy being a part of this process as, as we cause the takeoff. So yeah, man, it's just it's, it's just dope on all, on all levels, you know, just owning, being able to create stuff. It, it's really cool, really cool.
0: I want to touch on you know one of the the dope pieces i think you guys um created um you know me and my wife have supported and we like we when we seen the site we definitely loved loved it Loved what you guys the message message behind it but also just the creation you know of the clothing but you 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 took uh you know you had our team um become a part you know of the site and you know one of the pieces that you created which the message behind it i thought was super simple but it was so powerful the T-shirt that, you know, we are all black when the lights go out. So, you know, talk about that, you know, the T-shirt, you know, the the meaning behind the phrase in the shirt. And like I said, I mean, you already spoke so much about it, but specifically this and, then you know, talk about the reason why, you know, you wanted to have, you know, our team, you know, in the picture and support, you know, support you, you know, this way we'll take off Milano.
1: Well, I mean, there's two parts of that. I mean, the first part is, is, is just as simple as the as saying. Yeah. If all the lights went off in the world, bro, there's no more lights. You look around, all you will see is black. Yeah. So you were, or if you went blind, everybody would be black. So the only thing you would see would be black, meaning that you have to take the time to get to know that person, understand that person, see what that person is going through, things like that, you know what I'm saying? And that's where that t-shirt stemmed from is that without color, we are all just people. You know what I'm saying? And every person deserves to be treated off of his actions not his appearance. That's what the shirt truly means. Judge me off of what I do to you mm-hmm. or what I'm doing in the world or what I did to someone else. Not off of you just look at me, see that I'm a different skin color than you. Cause it's not just about African-Americans it's about everyone. There should be no difference in approach. There should be no difference in thought until you see my actions, until you see what I do. You know what I'm saying? And that's where the t-shirts stem from. I mean, um, I think the message was very simple, but very, very, very powerful. I I think it resonates in this world a lot more than what people realize. You know what I'm saying? If there was a total blackout throughout the world for the remainder of the time you were on this earth, you would have to take the time to get to know the people that you would, uh, that you would, you know, face, interact with, um, have experiences with, and you would never know if they were black, white, red, orange, green, gold, whatever. Mm-hmm. Only thing you would know is that that's a person, and you're judging them off what they're saying, their opinions, their actions, and things like that. You know what I'm saying? So I thought we came up with that together, and we thought that it would resonate with our world, especially what was going on with the idea of racism in 2020. We mm-hmm. thought it would definitely resonate and I think it has. As far as the team, like you said, we're a melting pot. Mm-hmm. So we all share the same idea that I don't give a care that David Moretti is Italian and he's Caucasian or Gigi is Italian and is Caucasian or Vlado Misov is Serbian and he's Caucasian or whatever. At the end of the day, he's a person just like I am. Mm-hmm. We're, we are on this team and we share the same mission, which is to compete every day, enjoy every day, sacrifice for each other, and ultimately, hopefully, we win. Mm-hmm. That was sharing this idea about we all black when the lights go out, because at the end of the day, we share the same views, the same dreams, the same ambitions as a team. So wearing this T-shirt also showed that we share the same view about each other—that we don't care about color, race, ethnicity, none of that stuff. We just care about you being my brother, my teammate, and we headed toward the goal of winning. You know what I'm saying? On the basketball floor as well as in life. So I thought with us wearing this all together, I thought it would be a great image to not only Milan or Europe, but to the world that there's a team out there who has shown and signified to the world that they are together as a whole, dealing with the idea of racism, that they don't see race. They don't Mm -hmm. see color, they just see the guys they compete with every day, the guys they work with every day, the guys that they share blood, sweat and tears with every day, they don't see anything else. So I thought it would resonate well too, just uh, seeing us in that shirt. And I thought it did. I thought a lot of people saw it and a lot of people you I know, agree. understood the message and, and a lot of people uh, really appreciated, you know, seeing us you know, uh, wear that t-shirt all together. And I thank you guys so much for wanting to be a part of it and sharing the same idea about you know a simple idea of racism or you know just human being human i i really appreciate you guys being a part of the project with me and with us at takeoff milano
0: now um you know i'm gonna get you got two more questions for you um mm-hmm. and let you go i know, I know man, pretty... i've
1: been long-winded i'm sorry nah, man this but is man, this I... is this
0: has been all great stuff and this is the the main reason why um you know i want to have these conversations with you know with, with great minded people like yourself and like others to, you know, kind of give fans a different perspective and get to know us as athletes more. Um, but also other players to get to know other players, you know, our peers, our colleagues that, you know, that we face every day to have the opportunity to, to learn more. It's like I said, we can have these conversations more. So hopefully when, you know, somebody else sees this podcast, or, you know, listens to this interview, listens to this conversation, they'll come up to you and be like, yo, Jeff, you know, I was, you know, I had the same experience and, you know, want to have this conversation with you or, you know, so this, this is the main, the main reason why, um, you know, I'm having, and you know, I want to have these type of conversations. So I, I appreciate you, but I want to get two, two important, con- two important last questions before we, before I let you go, you know, as an athlete, you know, you, you're using your platform, you know, whether or not it's your, your, your clothing brand or the the interviews you're doing on Instagram live, you know, and you talked about it, you know, you felt like you should have been doing this before. And I know there's other athletes that are probably listening to this and, and, and want to know, you know, how can they use their platform, Um, you know, so what advice would you give, you know, to them, you know, to, you know, how to use their platform. And the last question I have is, as I said before, when I first started this, I mean, you know, longevity is something that is very rare in in sports, and especially our sport. And, you know, for you to be a vet of 10 years, um, there's, you know, many, kids and I, and like i said i, I listed off your accomplishments you know you won championships and you know numerous different different things um that wish to have your career so if you have any advice for the young players that are listening to this um you know listening to this interview about you know you know their careers and, and different things like that you know what would what would your advice be
1: well on that first question about the platform and sharing, you know using your image i think at the end of the day, you'll regret it if you don't. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? I think that's what started to resonate with me in my 30s now is like, I'm gonna look back and say, what did I share to the world about who I am Mm -hmm. as a man? Not what what I do, what I am as a basketball player. So being able to share the ideas that I have about racism, whatever they may be, I want people to know where i'm coming from what i've experienced what i see and that i'm cultured that i understand that i empathize because i feel like when you don't share that stuff people get the wrong idea about you you know what i'm saying it's just the way the world is today because of so much going on with social media you know if you don't say something it's like oh well he must not care no i think that i don't care it's just that I don't feel like everything is for everybody. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But now these situations are, because people need to know that you stand for, you know, being human and being respectful to every human being that you see and stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? I feel like that's very powerful stuff that someone needs to see, not only from LeBron James or Cal Hines, but also from, you know, a guy just walking down the street that works mm-hmm. at, you know, um, for yeah. You need to know, They're like, where you stand on social issues is going on in the world because it also signifies that you have the right thought process, you're a good person, you care about the world, you care about people. Now, is it for everybody to go on Instagram and do you know IG lives and stuff like that? No, it's not because everybody's not as outgoing, not everybody is as articulate as everybody else. But at the end of the day, if you can share it to people that you meet, people that you share a common, you know, background with, you know, you guys can start a conversation. That in itself is enough Mm -hmm. because once again, it all leaks. All these things leak out to other people. But so-and-so said, you know what I'm saying, this was going on and it shouldn't be this way because he shared this stint of history that was going on and what they did this time, you know, things like that. You sharing your thoughts, the things that you know, it will only be passed to other people. You know what I'm saying? honestly, it's an information highway, just like, you know, the internet, the word of mouth, you know what I'm saying? So I think the more and more that people go out here and show themselves on, you know, if it's Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, whatever it may be, you don't have to go out and be the most outspoken person ever, Mm -hmm. but you can share your thoughts, share your opinion. And it can be in, you know, what is it like, um, 80 characters on Twitter or whatever? You can share that. that. Okay, but double. Yeah, exactly. So you can get double in. Exactly. You can go out there and share what you think about what's going on, a movement, anything. And I'm telling you, people will appreciate it. People will respect you. And even if you get backlash, that's your opportunity to share your opinion, really break it down, really elaborate. And maybe you'll help somebody, you know what I'm saying, in a way that they think. Now, as far as longevity, honestly, Cal, there's only one word that resonates for me. Mm -hmm. that I use every time I talk to somebody young that's thinking about coming overseas, especially overseas, because you know how much of a grind it is over here, being here for 10 months, being away from what you know, your family, your friends, blah, blah, blah. The word is adapt. And what I mean by that is adapting to, you know, your new surroundings, a new culture, your new teammates, new languages, new, team dynamics, just everything, because you don't know the situation off rip what you're going into, but if you're able to adapt, that's the only way you would be able to make any situation you go into a successful one for yourself personally. You know what I'm saying? You may go to a a team that doesn't do well, but if you go there, show yourself as not only as a player, but a person who cares about the team, who cares about winning, who cares about keeping everybody together in those tough times, I'm telling you, there will always be opportunities to play for a team, you know what I'm saying? Throughout Europe, anywhere, because they look for players like that. See, like I'm going on personal personal experience. I've been on teams where I, small market teams where like I was one of the most talented guys. So, you know, I got the ball a lot. I made all the plays for the team, blah, blah. But then I've been on bigger teams where, you know, I was more of a, a cog to the machine, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? But at the end of the day, I've always been able to adapt to what the team needs. If I know the team has four great offensive players, then hell, what does the team need for me to do to help them go out and win? So if that means I need to go and get 10 rebounds, score four points, we win the game by 10 points.
0: You did your job.
1: I did my part when yeah. I stopped my guy from scoring. You know, my guy's been scoring 15. I held my guy to six points tonight. We won by 10. That's my that was my job. And my job to help us win tonight. If you can adapt and it doesn't matter about stats and all that stuff you can always find a job here you can always find a, a place to play mm-hmm. and i think that's my biggest key to uh, what my career has led me into i just always been able to adapt
0: that's love bro man I, I thank you for for taking the time for the opportunity man we we definitely got a lot of a great conversation um, a lot of gems um, for people that want to follow you on Instagram, um, your Instagram, correct me if I'm wrong, it's at kingfree Free uh, 32. Yes. Um, so they want to get, you know, learn more about you, learn more about your the conversations um, as well. You know, tell all the listeners out there to to check out Takeoff Milano, um, it's www.takeoffmilano.com, if I'm correct. Yep. and You also have an Instagram page as well. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I appreciate you, man. I appreciate you for taking the time out, you know, on a, on a busy night um to have this conversation and to share your thoughts, your opinions, your experiences um with all of us, man. It's, it's been, it's been, it's been a blessing. It's been a blessing. I've learned a lot.
1: No, I can uh, I really appreciate you, it too, bro. And that is King underscore free 32. Yes. Cal doesn't follow me. That's why he doesn't know. Nah,
0: man, I follow you, bro. to like, follow me right now. I follow now. you, bro. That's I follow why. you, bro. I forget the underscore, man. I'm not, I'm not an <laughs> underscore guy, man. Hang
1: a while. I I be forgetting too sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> you no, know, man, this has been this has been great. It's actually been fun too. You know, being able to share. You know, our thoughts, our perspectives, and uh, I will see you bright and early in the morning, bro. Definitely,
0: bro. I appreciate you, man. <laughs>